one and we are recording with jack roth for episode 1070 on thursday january 26 2023 at 4 7 p.m eastern time author of killing kennedy which i'll put in the description it's a fantastic book and i have read a lot of uh of of kennedy books of I've actually interviewed Judith Ray Baker. I have a couple of the people you mentioned in there. I think uh, Peter Dale Scott, I've interviewed him. Uh, Jefferson Morley, I've interviewed him a couple of times. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned him, but I've had on Gerald Posner. He's, he, he doesn't view it as a conspiracy. Actually, on November 22nd, I think 2020, I interviewed Jefferson Morley. He talked about James Jesus Angleton and kind of, you know, without saying it, it, was like, yeah, CIA did it. And then I also interviewed Gerald Posner who said that, you know, it was really was Lee Harvey just as a sort of, hey, I'm going to approach. That's when I was still just doe eyed and like, I'm going to present the truth from both sides. And now two and a half years later, as I was just telling you before we started, my soul has just blackened over. I'm just like, it's all it's all it's all deep. Still, they're going to kill us all. I don't care about any. It's so quickly. It has gone from just this idyllic. I'm going to present the truth. To now I'm just like any day a hellfire missiles coming through this window. But um with that cheery beginning, <laughs> Mr. Roth, <laughs> please introduce yourself, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Uh yeah, listen, I'm an author, filmmaker, uh, documentary filmmaker, and uh I decided to write this book about ooh, going on three, a little over three years ago. Yeah. And uh I kind of had to really think about it because I'm like, well, what am I going to do that already hasn't been written? What am I going to write about? I knew that I wasn't going to find a quote unquote smoking gun at this point, 60 years later. I knew that there have been people doing decades and decades of incredible research that I wasn't going to come close to uh, that, that volume of research. But I, as a journalist, I'm good at interviewing people and I'm good at asking the right questions. So I decided, you know what, what if I do like a people's history yeah. of the assassination and then get the right people to interview? So I wound up interviewing, well, I interviewed more than 24, but 24 wound up in the book and they, I, they were from different disciplines. They came, they're in the book for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And I just asked them questions according to their expertise or experience. And I also asked everyone the same questions, which were really the theme of the book, which was why it still matters. And I think that's a question we all think about like 60 years ago. Why does it still matter? Well, it still does. And what are the ripple effects? What have been the ripple effects of this assassination? Because people don't think there have been ripple effects. There are direct ripple effects. So I just wanted to present this and, you know, kind of add my own uh, contribution to the research for people to, it's really a jump start because people I feel like can read this book, they see who's in it and they might find one chapter they really love and then boom, they can go and get 12 books based on that chapter. Yeah. So I just wanted to do my part. And <clears throat> there is, and for anyone listening, I've, because I've done like 99% of these episodes, not live. I do forget that when I tell people it's going to be live at four, I now have an obligation uh, this is just a complete aside from the podcast we're doing right now. Um, uh, and there you can see my own ego. I'm like, I know we're talking about the, the, the shooting of a president, but let me insert the importance of my No, just as like a courtesy thing. I'm re I'm remembering now I'm like, oh, I, I, I can't be eight minutes late anymore. But um, no, the you, you do pose that question. And there are a couple of things in there that I think it's um 
that you do point out, which I think gives it credibility. And one is you quote Bill Hicks, my absolute favorite, you know, why don't you just let it go, man? It's been 50 years. Well, why don't you just let go of that whole Jesus thing? It's been 2000 years, you know, back into the left, back into the left. <laughs> Bill Hicks is, you know, the OG, but it's also, um, you don't make the claim of knowing who it is. And you talk about that in the book. And that's something that I kind of applied to all conspiracies surrounding September 11th, Gulf of Tonkin, the USS Maine, Lusitania, whatever, COVID, is you don't have to know what happened to know or at least reasonably assume that the narrative you've been given is is false and, and intentionally false. And you, you'll kind of see that with people. If you say, yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of question the events surrounding 9-11. There is something interesting where you will see their passive admittance of what they actually think. There's, it's, a, it's a wild mind game. They're criticizing you for believing in a conspiracy, right? Sorry, there's a siren going off. There's a, they're, they're, a, they're criticizing you for believing in a conspiracy. And then they will go to actually admit the conspiracy they believe in without even realizing it. They'll be like, oh, you believe Dick Cheney did? And I'll be like, I never said that, but you just did, right? So, but no, it's like, no, I don't believe that. But there was just some weird things surrounding it. There was some weird, you know, military operations that day. There was some weird high frequency trading that day. There was a paper that came out, you know, uh, the Project for a New American Century right before. And a lot of people made a lot of money off of it. And like, it's kind of like archaeology. Like you're not going to know exactly what the T-Rex ate that morning, a hundred million years ago. But right, you can find its foot, you can find its spine, you can find other T-Rexes in that area. You can look at geologic data and be like, we're kind of, you know, we're shading the outside structure. You know, like when you put a piece of paper over a quarter and then draw over it with a pencil. Like you can, you're getting a general idea. You're never going to find a memo from LBJ with his blood thumbprint on it with verifiable DNA that says, we're going to shoot the president. You're never going to find that. But the point of this whole meandering tangent is, is and then what are the import? what is the importance? Well, if it can happen, it can happen again. And that precedent has been set. And the idea that, you know, elections have consequences. Well, so do coup d'etats, right? <laughs> and if it ever, if you ever wonder why is it, it's this, we accept it as the norm, right? Ah, the military industrial complex runs the whole show. Everyone's corrupt. That's not the norm. That's been our norm, right? And so there is reason to continue to pursue it. There's reason to pursue, you know, the USS Maine. Uh, you talk about Smedley Butler. He's one of my favorites. You have to look at the dominoes falling over the last century, century and 10, century and 20 years to have any sort of grasp of when the next domino might fall and to not just go, it's all good. The USS Maine, the, the Lusitania, the, uh, the Federal Reserve, the year after the Titanic the zipper telegram the the pearl harbor the the gulf of tonkin jfk uh john hinckley jr shooting president reagan when he's he was supposed to have dinner with neil bush that night same family as the guy that would become president you look at all these things and then you get to like 2019 you go but covid was natural like 
there is an importance to looking at it. And I know I've been verbally abusing you and not letting you speak. So your thoughts on my whole diatribe just now. <laughs> no, listen, you're not abusing because it's right. And I love the way you kind of, I sit there like you do sometimes and it's just kind of, uh, you're thinking out loud almost. And I love that because it's part of the critical thinking process, right? Hmm. And I talk about that in the book, but you're right about everything you said. And, and it is important because when you look back you realize what this country really is, and it is not an easy thing. You were talking about how people react and how people would come on and, and say, Oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist or blah, blah, blah. And human beings are very strange creatures. And I, I made sure that I, an entire section of the book is dedicated to the psychology and and kind of the philosophy uh, out uh, takes on the Kennedy assassination. But most importantly, what is it about humans that make them believe whatever authority tells them, A, and B, what makes people do the horrible things that they do, uh, at, you know, including killing the president of the United States? And why do people do that? So, you know, you go into this whole idea of uh, ego and power and this idea of an elitist mentality that's been in this country for a very long time. And we were founded by certain people. We were built by certain people, uh, always on the backs of the masses, right? You go back to, like you said, you said something interesting 120, 130 years ago. Well, that was the railroads, right? That was the railroad barons. Chinese and slaves, yeah. Chinese slaves, right? And then let's just wipe out all the Native Americans because they're in our way. So this is part of our history that we have to come to terms with. But I don't think, I think a lot of people are not comfortable believing that their government would ever be, quote unquote, the bad guy or the guy with the black hat. You know, the United States in 1963, there was this idea of American exceptionalism, yeah. right? That we were the best. We wore the white hats because, listen, we won World War II. We defeated the Nazis. But what people didn't realize is before the war was even over, the CIA was preparing to get a lot of these Nazis safely out of Germany and either in the United <laughs> States or into Argentina, Operation Paperclip, which yeah. is no longer conspiracy theory. It's a fact. Oh. We know this happened. Right. And a lot of the people involved actually, and this is what people don't, when they realize this, they just, their jaw drops and they realize it. But a lot of these people, the John Dulles's, the Alan Dulles's, the George Bush family, all these, these, the Rockefellers, Henry Ford, they like the Nazis. Make no mistake about it. We were funding okay, the so rise of them. We were fun. We funded the Forget rise paper of clip. them. Paperclip. We gave kind of like before, before. We, we, you know, we kind of liked their politics, right? They were all these these men were all incredibly anti-Semitic, incredibly racist. Yeah. They hated everyone that was an uh, an East Coast blue blood elitist. Yeah. yeah, and this is who they are, right? So for them, the Nazis were kind of cool. So, but what happened is before the end of the war, it's like, well, they turned their attention to communism, which for them was a much more comfortable enemy. Yeah, but they helped a lot of Nazis and. Not only did they, they it wasn't just Werner von Braun they brought over to help with the space program. They brought over thirty five hundred of them. Some of them went right into the MK Ultra program, which is another CIA program we now know is not a conspiracy theory; is a fact. MK Ultra existed, and they brought these guys. And imagine bringing these Nazi guys in who were 
like the best at the best at mind manipulation and you know all of that stuff right and propaganda they looked up to Goebbels. They thought, oh, my God, this guy's awesome, right? He was like yes. the king of propaganda. And they used the same MO as the Nazis. Like, that's what people don't realize. And I think you have to understand that in order to st- understand why Kennedy was killed in 63 and also who probably did it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've interviewed Norman Oler, the author who wrote the book Blitzed uh, about Nazis and drug use. Great book. But uh, mind control, it's its a nod. It's spelled MK. It's, it's a nod to Nazi experiments, I think, in Dachau. Like, it's not, we didn't, there's just like, there's onions of like, all right, Operation Paperclip's not a conspiracy, but we had to have rockets. All right, but what about like Otto Ambrose, the chemist? <laughs> like, right, right. Like, oh, well, we needed rubber. All right, but what about Kurt Bloma with vaccines and bio? All right, well, we needed them too, but that's what about Unit 731 from Japan, an entirely different empire that tortured American POWs? And we brought the head of it, Shiro Ishii. I don't know if we brought back Shiro, but we brought back all the other heads. And it's like, all right, well, we had to beat the commies. And it's like, yeah, well, what about like the birth of propaganda? And like, we, and it just goes, and then you go back even further and you're like, it wasn't just not like we helped them rise. Like we were funding them, like right. like Brown Brothers, Harriman, and I, that might be that might not have been that, but like we were helping. Yeah, fund. it was. Yeah, okay, we were helping fund their industry, and it's like, well, you know, that was just the '30s, and it's like, yeah, well, Hitler rose in 1933, and then wasn't that like the same year that we tried to set up a fascist dictatorship in this country with I don't know Smedley Butler and Dupont and the Remingtons came to him and said, hey, will you take 500,000 soldiers and march on DC and remove FDR, and you'll be the king of America, and it's weirdly kind of left out of American history, and it's like, well, and it's like, at a certain point. It is more deranged to not believe in any conspiracies than it is to believe it. <laughs> it, is. Like, it has tipped entirely. The, the, it has gone the entire different direction to where if you now believe that there are no conspiracies, that is more insane than believing that Hillary Clinton's a reptile and that the earth is flat. If you believe that Correct. it's just, it's like that, uh, uh, Norm Macdonald <laughs> joke. You know, I was reading a history book. Isn't that what a coincidence that every time in history, the good guys won. <laughs> it's so true. All right. Yeah. Right. All right. We'll just walk down this road and like. Yeah. it's a, And, you know, you mentioned Smedley Butler, who well, what a hero, because he, he refused. Original gangster. He, yeah. Well, listen, he refused. Right. I mean, he, I, if I'm not mistaken, he was a hero in that scenario, he played which is why like he a- wrote he played dumb yes. like a fox and actually found he wrote War as a Racket, but there's another there's two other books of so the plot to seize the White House. I don't remember who it's by. And that's about it. And then um Stephen Kinzer, was it Kinzer? No. Uh uh Katz wrote um Gangsters of Capitalism, and it's about Smedley's rise. He didn't just refuse it. Sorry to interrupt. He didn't just refuse it. He played dumb to right. find out the threat and then exposed it at the House of Un American Activities. And the New York Times called it basically fake news <laughs> if it happened today there'd be a banner under it on youtube and twitter that says this has been debunked they said it they they said eh, probably no new york times said this doesn't happen and then the house on american activities came out and go no this is a probable conspiracy right right all right but that's not on the front page right because that and that's a big part of it too because they have to control the message they have to control the narrative and they've always controlled the narrative and that goes back to uh Operation Mockingbird, which is also in the book, but people talk about it. But that was a real thing 
okay, where the CIA, they, they infiltrated the Washington Post, the New York Times, all these other, they had to have that in place in order to, in order to successfully kill Kennedy and, and have a cover-up. In order for the cover-up to work, they had to have the, the mainstream media. Now, there were independent journalists and some people who were like, this is bullshit. <laughs> and this this is just there's something rotten in the state of Denmark. I tell people all they have to do is remember that Jack Ruby he walked into a police station with, you know, eight, 80 cops and detectives around Oswald. walked right up to Oswald and shoot him and kill him before Oswald could have his day in court. If that doesn't tell you as a critical thinker, if that doesn't tell you that there was a conspiracy that but that's all you need to know. You don't need to know anything else. And if you knew that, and, and it's funny, I talked to someone who had gotten a feel for what Europeans were thinking. The Europeans knew it was a conspiracy oh, right away. They called bullshit that evening. They Because they had such long histories of bullshit. That <laughs> well, they, they had seen they, it. They, That's the thing. Is right. They had, seen it. They, they had seen it in their countries. And we were just so naive. And again, this idea of American exceptionalism and, you know, howdy doody. And, you know, like just, you know, listen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah, Why just, shatter that? You know, yeah. you shatter that. And that and that's what people talk about in the book. It, I found this one of the most fascinating parts of it, this idea of cognitive dissonance, mm. the idea that if something if you believe something and then you learn something that goes against your beliefs, you will disregard what you just learned. You will. And that's what people like if they OK, well, the Warren Commission, well, they're they're You know, they're not going to lie to us. There are leaders. There it is. Right. And then if you're like and then Clay, you know, uh, uh some other people came out, uh, including, uh, oh my God, what's the guy, uh, New Orleans? Uh, 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 oh my God, I can't believe I'm drawing I'm a blank right a now. Card. Yeah, but anyway, he comes out and he starts fighting that, and other people start fighting that. Dorothy Kilgallen comes out and she starts fighting that when she winds up murdered, get she killed. But then people are like, no, that's not, our government will never do that because the thought of that is so uncomfortable to most people that they'd rather just believe what the government's telling them and they can sleep better at night. And like, that's I, it. I also like on a human level, like I also get that. Like, oh, I get it. It's why would you want pain? And, and, and on, on like a more serious, not that we haven't been talking about serious things, which shows how deluded my mind is that I take talking about Kennedy as a joke. I thought in 2014, my older brother committed suicide. And like, oh. it's easier to go to bed thinking like, well, you know, depression's a mental illness. There's really nothing you can do. And no, you, you got to go back eventually and observe it and go, I probably could have done more. Could I have changed it? I don't know. I can't look at it objectively. Obviously, it's my own blood brother. But after I put my head in the sand for about nine months, I was just like, well, he's in a better place. It just went about my life. And it was like taking a syringe full of morphine and just putting it right in my prefrontal cortex and just like, I'm not addressing that. And then I couldn't, I think if I could have, I think if I could have uh, successfully stayed cognitively dissonant, I would have, but I couldn't. And eventually you 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 address it. And it's a horrible process of self-discovery, of pulling mm -hmm. apart the onions of your own, the onion layers of your own soul. But ironically enough, kind of like the CIA, the truth will set you free. And once you get to it, and it might take a year, two years, spoiler alert, it takes about seven years of just unimaginable horror and depression. You come out of it, looking at it as soberly as you can. You make peace with it. It's like it's like paying off your bills. You're, it's shitty, but there's no more interest, and you're like, 
it's that feeling of like when you take care of all of the stuff you have to do, you take the trash out, you go get gas in the car, you get groceries, you're exhausted. But that level of just like, oh, I did it all. I, I did everything. I can now see it in friends. I can see it in other family and I can, I can fearlessly approach it. You know, I, instead of the, Hey man, you, know, you text a friend, if you ever want to talk, I'm here. I can be much more like, Hey dude, I've seen what this does to a family. And I know that you're probably getting a lot of nice texts, but I'm going to tell you, I lost a brother to suicide and I have his initials tattooed on my shoulder. Can you tell me what's going on? And that's a, you have a much more real effect. So kind of like the Kennedy assassination, why does it still matter? Well, why does it matter that I lost a brother in April 2014? Well, it still matters because it's been almost 10 years. It's been almost nine years. But by addressing it and treating it very real, it can have real effects today instead of just putting your head in the sand. And then someone else, you know, commits suicide and go, well, there's nothing we could have done versus, hey, let's take the painful approach. Let's look at the sun. I know it's bright, but let's actually try to figure something out about it. And that is kind of a microcosm of why this is important. So we can go, well, the government would never, you know, just kind of that Andy Griffith apple pie on the windowsill. Like we beat the night. It's like, okay, yeah, we, but we also, sure, we lost 425,000 American GIs. Russians lost 27 million. You know, those bad guys who are currently right. fighting Nazis, but that's another thing for another time that we just won't address. But, and that doesn't mean tear it. That doesn't mean that this whole thing's shit. Clearly, I like this country. I think if anything, it makes you value it more when you accept it for warts and all. And then you don't even view it passively anymore. You go, you don't even have to accept it warts and all. You can accept past warts. And how can we change them? How can we remove right. them? And there is real things. It has a very real effect. Now, you look at it and you go, I think you said in the book, you accept that grandpa was kind of an asshole and he was racist. That doesn't mean he wasn't a good grandpa. It doesn't mean he didn't, didn't raise your mom or dad right. But he was from a time <laughs> when they shot black people with fire hoses. Accept it for what it is. Accept that our grandkids were probably going to look at things you and I are saying during this podcast and say, look at those bigots. But you look at it and you go, how can we be better? And there's a very real effect of it. And it's a very empowering effect. You don't feel, like you said in the book, you lose the learned helplessness. And you go, right. that sucks. That really sucks what happened. What can we do today? And so there is a very real effect. And that whole clip right there, that should be my motivational. When I start my motivational speaking company, that will be my clip. <laughs> As I flag behind me, Kerrigan 2024. Well, listen, you know, you heal, you heal as well when you face the truth. And yes. when you go down that more difficult path, you heal. You did it as an individual. People can do it as individuals, but we haven't done it as a country because the facts of that major, major event in our history 60 years ago, which has had lasting ripple effects, we've never healed from it. And that's why we're so broken now. Nothing's been the same. It's uh, what you say is, is strong because there's healing. It's a healing process as well that you go through when you really are able to face the truth and get past it and perhaps then make things better. Yeah. And or you can ignore it. Right. You can just yeah. put it all on the credit card. And that's fine for today. Right. <laughs> I'll stop drinking tomorrow. Right. You know, yeah. But then don't be surprised when. Isn't that kind of weird that like we were researching SARS-CoV-2 in a lab in 2016 and then it 
popped up in 2019. <laughs> if you, right. as Duncan Trussell, the comedian, said about working on things, he goes, Don't be surprised that plants are growing when every day you're just throwing seeds in there. You can't keep throwing the alcohol seed in there and then wondering why you have DUIs. Like, right. It's, it's, right. It's, it's the workout quote or the dieting quote. Suffer the pain of discipline or suffer the pain of regret. There's no way out of it. You're suffering one way or another. Address it or it's going to keep happening. And I think that is sort of the thing, though, is you just have to address it. And we are lucky in that there are still people alive who are loosely involved with this. And like you said in your book, people from many walks of life, and you can start to put all the puzzle pieces together. Right. Yeah, I don't... You can. There's still time to, oh, wow, come to a a place of understanding in this at least with this, I mean, listen, there's so much that has happened in our history, but as far as the Kennedy assassination, I feel like with the Kennedy assassination, it is one of the most important events in our history. Uh, certainly one of the most tragic, one of the most telling, and one of the most consequential. But that's exactly right. We need to continue to just talk to people who were there, who, who knew Oswald. I mean, these people are getting older, you know, and, and there are, there is a, a younger generation taking, taking the torch and saying, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get all those records. I'm going to try to get all those documents, blah, 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 even though they're 99% redacted, but they still trying at least, right? Because the CIA is never going to come out and say, we knew this, we knew Oswald worked for us. No. Yeah. We, we set him up as a patsy, blah, blah, blah. And you're never going to find any of that. It's like you said, you're not going to find, you know, Lyndon Johnson's bloody thumbprint on a document. Right? I did uh, it. They were, and here's a hair sample. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. I mean, they were all in one way shape or form culpable if not in the actual act certainly in the cover-up and 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 again you know it's funny you mentioned the covid and you mentioned some of this other stuff but it, we have to realize there's a, there's a whole chapter in the book i interviewed this guy named ed haslam and he wrote this book dr mary's monkey and there's mm -hmm. a section in the book called new orleans summer 63 well that's where oswald was and by the way jim garrison that's where garrison that's where the whole movie jfk takes place when he was looking into you know uh indicting people for it for the murder so he opened up the case but they were the things that were going on in new orleans in the summer of 63 would literally make your hair curl i mean it wasn't just it was it wasn't just sheep dipping oswald and some of the other stuff it was doing weaponizing cancer everything to to kill castro and other leaders that were a pain in the neck to us that didn't fit our you know they could have been they were they could have been democratically elected leaders like guatemala this democratically elected leader he's eh, gotta go well, they're trying to nationalize he's gotta go dole. they're trying to nationalize dole absolutely, right exactly right not. It, and who were major stockholders in united fruit company alan dulles john foster dulles Wait, Half the are people you who insinuating skull, skull and bones? And are you yell insinuating and... <laughs> that the military industrial complex is just marching through countries and toppling governments because there's a financial injury? I can't go there, Jeff. Listen, that's really sad because one of the things that people don't know about this, and, and uh, uh, Oliver Stone brought it up in his latest documentary, 
Well, you know, Kennedy was, uh, he started that, uh, and I can't, I don't remember the exact name because I didn't do this for the book, but I, re- I learned about it from the documentary. He wanted that all African nations to be sovereign. Yeah. And he, right. And he was, you know, the Congo, we had this really cool guy in there, right? And we allowed, basically got him killed. There was a coup. We didn't want these people in because we didn't want them to be sovereign. There was more money to make on nations and their resources when they're not sovereign. Yeah. So we can control things. So it's it's sad. It's dark. You know, you, you, want, you say, why? Why people would... Yeah, I think you and I both would be happier people and I'd sleep better at night if I hadn't done all the research and you hadn't done all the research you've done. If I just buried my hand in the sand, I'd just be I'd actually, happily, happily. I'd actually <laughs> argue and say that it's a very difficult interim period, but I think I'd sleep even better now because you build a tolerance to the shock factor. Right. You start to accept it as like, yeah, demons are running amok. And it's very dark at the beginning, but then there are other things like seeing a baby being born or like a beautiful sunset. Right. And you're like, that's still this like, whatever you want to call it, God, the universe. You're like, there are, there is still this like, yes, un, un, uh, there, there is still this like beauty that cannot be perverted. And, that is, if anything, I think I, I think I sleep bit. Now there is, again, there's a very rough interim period, but like <laughs> there is a jumping in the pool is cold, but you know, you're in there for 10 seconds and you go, okay, yeah, it's fine. Right. It's still a pool. You jump in it, you dip your toe and you go, that's so cold. I'm not doing that shit. You see your friend jump in and he comes out and he goes, oh, oh, and he's splashing around. You're like, dude, I don't want to do that. And then a couple minutes pass and he starts waiting and he's like, actually water's fine. We've all done it, right? Yeah, and then you realize, hey, I am in a pool in July with a beer. Like, yeah, it's good. I think there is still, there is still peace that you can get to if you just and you talked about it. Like, well, why would people do this? I think the very fact that people can't believe people do this is beautiful because it shows the vast majority of us have an inherent goodness in us that we project and thus we can't comprehend it. That is beautiful. That 99% of people go, you wouldn't kill someone just to set up a business. That means that 99 out of a hundred people are good. We're so close. We're so close to going. Yes. And some of us are assholes. Let's address that. And then it can be good. And I mean, the very fact that Kennedy did get to office and wanted the, the nations of Africa to be sovereign that's good like we got close sure they blew (laughs) his head off but like we got to the one yard line like that's not a bad thing right i don't know there were people on the other side there are people on the other side and these men they all need to come to in the end they all need to live with their nefarious deeds right uh i remember james angleton we'd mentioned that before the show started you know here's this guy he was known as evil i mean just an unbelievable uh, yeah. cia i mean one of the worst of the worst and he said before he died he was dying so he knew he was dying and yeah. he made uh, and i don't know the exact quote but they were talking to him and he said to something to the effect like the guys i work with and blah, blah, blah they were the most mm-hmm. evil blah 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 and i'll be seeing them all in hell soon 
He takes a sip of his drink and goes, and I'll see, takes I'll, a sip I'll, of I'll his, see them in hell soon. Yeah, I'll see them in hell soon. And that was like his 57th martini because this is something I also learned is that the CIA guys, these cold warriors, these guys that did these things, eventually they all wound up alcoholics. And that is something that was I really found interesting doing the research for this book because I interviewed the kids, their, their children. And they're like, yeah, dad was a raging alcoholic. Mom became a raging alcoholic, yeah. functioning, barely functioning. And uh, they knew what they were. They It caught up to them. At first, you think, um, I'm a patriot. I'm doing this because I'm a patriot. right? And they might even think, well, World War II, we were the good guys. OSS, and now we're the CIA, but we're doing this for national security. And then you're like, uh, we just killed Dorothy Kilgallen, who's a basically a private citizen and a woman who never picked up a gun in her life. And we also just killed Mary Pinchot Meyer, another private citizen who, you know, because she knew Kennedy and she had a diary. So like they were doing these things and then they were killing hundreds of thousands in other countries because of these coups and killing virtually a million Vietnamese. I mean, all these wars add up. Right. And when you know why you're really doing it, that just, man, I'm telling you, I, I, you have to be the, the biggest sociopath who ever lived and just has no feelings whatsoever and no sense of, uh, of, of feeling anything for any other human beings to be able to do this. And I think a lot of these guys had those traits, hmm. which is something else I learned from interviewing these people. They, all, these, the traits that go along with power and uh, this elitism and it, there's a lot of socio, there are soci, there is sociopathy there's psychopathy. Uh, there is ego, egomaniacs, like all these things that you, if you were to do, if you were to do a profile on Lyndon Johnson, a psychological profile on him, you would, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, but these are the guys that seek power. Yeah. And the way the system is, yeah, we just vote for them because they're the ones that are actually on the ballot. So, like, you know, they're the ones and they're the ones, the guys with the elitist attitudes are the ones that go to Yale and Harvard because their families, it's all set up and they become the, the federal judges and the, you know, the generals and the, you know, the, the, the captains of industry, right? And the head of the CIA and the head of the FBI. So that's the problem. And it's it's systemic. Uh, but I do agree with you that there's these people, whatever they do, they can't take away our free will. They can't take away our ability to continue to love, to continue to try to do the right thing, to continue to try to improve our country and make things better. Like we, you know, we'll do what we can while we're here on this planet. Right. And, and you're right. There is something that makes you feel lighter. You feel mm -hmm. good about that because you feel like I'm not just watching this happen, right? Like a lot of the Germans in 1930s Germany, they just they just watched. They didn't do anything. It was apathy. Yeah, They just wanted their economy to be better. That's all they cared about. So they listened to anyone. And Hitler was a good speaker. So they listened to this crazy guy. And he had Goebbels and the propaganda machine. And there you go. So this is this is something that I think as private citizens, whether you're doing your podcast, I'm writing books, documentaries, whatever we do, that's our no one can take that away from us. I mean, I'm sure that it could kill us, but I mean that you know, short of that, short of that.
there's going to be a clip. <laughs> this clip right here is going to be the first 10 seconds of the documentary about the mysterious death of Tommy Kerrigan and Mr. Roth. <laughs> I hope not, but Directed you know what? I Oliver feel like Stone, available on Netflix. Exactly. All right. Oliver will do a really good doc on us, <laughs> but preserve our memories. Yeah. But there are so some things you said, though, and I'm going to try to do the hard part and find the beauty in that. James Jusenko, The Ghost by Jefferson Morley is great. I mean, yeah, raging alcoholic, you know, you tend to his orchids in his basement. And, um, but there's something even good in there. And it's hard to find this. And I'm going to try because it's so easy to just say they're all evil. So let's take the more, let's take the, the path less traveled. The fact that they had to anesthetize themselves, there's still some good in there. Right. Mm -hmm. When people can't, they would never kill a president just for money. Right. That, like you said earlier, that's the goodness in people. They go, I couldn't believe that. Well, that's because you're a good person. Right. And that is uplifting to know that that's how most people are. The fact that these guys had to drink themselves stupid is a silver lining. Right. Because it starts, it starts easily. You know, it's Pearl Harbor and concentration camps. That's a pretty clear cut enemy. Right. Now, you know, did we let Pearl Harbor happen? Did we fund the Nazis? Okay. Yeah. But for the average poor guy, the average poor 18 year old, you know, Mr. Roth and Tommy being drafted, right? Those are good guys. You go, yeah, they, they did Pearl Harbor concentration camp. Yeah. Take them out. Right. You're a good person. You're fighting for your country. Right. Got it. And then it gets a little, and then it gets a little more abstract. Right. And there's kind of like a meta theme there of growing up and realizing that things aren't black and white. And it's, you know, despite us joking about Operation Paperclip, yeah, you get to that rarefied air, and it's us versus the Soviets. We know that um, Klaus Fuchs and uh, and then the, the Rosenberg couple, we know that they were smuggling information from the Manhattan Project, and by the time Truman told Stalin about it, Stalin already knew, and then by 1949, you know, under Volmpty they did test their first A-bomb. All right. And now what's the next thing is a bomb delivery. How are we going to do it? Do it during planes or put it on front of a rocket. And we just saw in World War II that rockets could go to London. Okay, so now there's a very real threat there and it becomes a little more abstract. And yeah, you probably do got to bring back some Nazis, if anything, because the Soviets were and it's kind of a race to the bottom. You can only be as good as they are. Right. I, I get that it that there's a lot of naivety. I'm 32 years old with a biology degree. I've never had to fend for my life. I've never gone a night without food. I understand that I don't know about real life and war and the brutality of humans. Okay, so you can maybe justify that. You could then maybe start to desensitize yourself and go in like, yeah, we're going to do Vietnam. It's a proxy war, but we got to Let's say you're a true believer in containing communism, right? You just saw Korea. I'm pretty sure more Americans died in Korea than World War II. It's the forgotten war. Korea just happened, right? Truman, I think his daughter wrote in her diary that when that happened in 1950, Truman said it was the beginning of World War III, and he was lucky that it, it, that it didn't. So then you see Vietnam. You go, all right, well, you know, we got to contain communism and, you know, we got the domino theory that these are just going to fall, right? And we just came out of World War II. If you're in the 60s and 70s, World War II is right, it's about as far back as 9-11 is to us, whereas 3,000 Americans died in 9-11, you're looking at 85 million, including civilian deaths, right? A lot of these guys probably served, so it's not even this abstract idea of my grandpa's grandpa. No, I was there, right? I was on Okinawa. Okay. But you start to see all these things. And then, like you said, 
eventually you start to see that you yourself are being used much like smedley butler realizing this is like oh oh we might even still be doing the right thing and it's dirty work but what are these companies making a ton of money and oh the higher ups in these intelligence agencies are also on the board of directors of these that is where you then come to the crossroads and realize that you can't fudge the numbers anymore right up until then you could still just be a good guy knowing that there is dirty work to do but you're doing what's the quote you know i hope there are no difficulties in, or i hope there is no war in life but if it may come let it come in my lifetime so my sons don't have to fight there's something honorable in doing the dirty shitty work but then when you start to realize what it is and it's a it's a money driven machine there is beauty in that those guys had to drink themselves stupid if they didn't Oh man, I, that would be the black pill of all black pills. Like, oh, I just like killing people and knocking over countries. You'd be like, oh, I'd take the flag down now. <laughs> but there is, there is a, a like a, an abstract, almost perverted beauty in knowing that they had to drink themselves stupid, because that shows that there is some pain, there is some light of truth, there is an ember that they just had to shovel dirt onto. And you might think that's a kind of a, a psychotic take to have, but I think you have to find like the one gem, the one silver lining in all of this. And like, so I guess that's my thesis. The fact that these guys were alcoholics shows there's still goodness in humans. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. No, because there's some humanity in them and therefore they, they're not complete psychopaths, right? They care a little bit or they're over time you can get so caught up in something and then 10, 20 years after the fact, you realize, Oh my God, what did I do? So you have time to reflect. Mm. And then when, and then when you're dying, like he was Angleton was, then you really reflect mm. and, and literally start, Oh my God, I'm going to hell. He was no, he was convinced if there was a hell, he was going to it because of the things that he had done. But like you said, the fact that he was even thinking that and drinking himself into a coma suggests that there was humanity in him that made him realize that, wow, I was a son of a bitch in this life. And there is some reflection there. Right. And, you know, now it almost kind of makes sense when you think about like what priest goes and talks to a serial killer before they're put to death. And you realize like there is a, there's still a thread of humanity. And I don't think you can quash that. And then there are there's still a smaller subsection of that of people who feel nothing. They're the right. ones who were orchestrating all of this. Those are the hitmen. Those are the one. That's the guy behind the grassy knoll. That's the guy. You know what I'm saying? That's the guy who's you know in the concentration camp shooting people. You know, eighty people a day in the head. Loving it. Those, those guys. Are, those are demons. <laughs> yeah. Right. There, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's really any silver lining to that. But if we don't address that they exist, they're going to use good people. That may be not even like a, you know, some poor 18 year old that thinks he's dying in his first country, but they might use an Angleton who thought he was doing the right thing. And then later has to drink himself to death. There are people behind that that are just, there's nothing behind the eyes. 
And if we pretend that they don't exist, this is just going to keep going forever and ever and ever. There's going to be another right. presidential whack. There's going to be another bio, not even America. It'll be 500 years and China will be in charge and there will be a, a whatever. They'll they'll have their JFK. They'll have their 9-11. And it will keep going and going and going. And you just have to look it in the eye and, and address that. And it's not a, it's not like a fun process, but there is a, you said it perfectly. There's a lightness. There's a, you looked behind the machine, you saw how the sausage was made and it was gross. And then you just accepted, well, you know, if we want to feed a lot of people, we're going to have to make sausage in odd ways. And you just kind of come to peace with it. I don't well, know. Then also, too, I mean, I'm sorry, but no, uh, if, you, if you, the better you understand human nature, then you better understand history and why history was has been the way it's been. And you understand why the present is the way it is. And you also can let's say predict the future, but you know that if human nature, the, the best parts of human nature aren't brought forward and the bad parts of human nature kept in check that it's going to be a horrible future yeah. and you know they could you know the, the people that they recruited after world war ii for the cia and the FD, these guys were patriots they were cold warriors they were literally the guys who you know were okay we need to stop the russians because this is a democracy and they were all gung-ho and a lot of these guys you add that to the fact that they also had an elitist mindset so you have Alan Dulles, who is everyone like he was a god back then. You're in his office. He's interviewing you and he wants you. He's recruiting you. You just you just graduated Yale, skull and bones, everything. You're in his office. And he's like, man, we want you in the CIA. So, well, you know, I kind of wanted to do something. Else. Well, listen, the CIA needs you. And here's why it needs you. First of all, we're fighting the red threat, the red menace. And think about what we just went through. That would mean 500,000 Americans died for nothing in World War II. Well, that gets to you, right? So then you're thinking as a patriot. Then he says, and let's face it, you're too good to be doing anything else. You are the top of the top. And here's where the elitist thing comes in. It's like your family and you, you're, you, know, you deserve to be the ones making these decisions for the rest of the masses. Mm. The country is better off when you're making those decisions, not them. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> you know, you know, you're 18, you're 20 in your early 20s, and you're like, wow, Alan Dulles thinks yeah. I'm really cool. You know, like, yeah. and then it's like, you know, all these things he he pours that on. And again, that's talk about MK Ultra-ish kind of stuff, right? That's oh, all yeah. kind of like you yeah, even need you, acid. You, totally messing with your head yeah right? forget lsd it's the oldest place yeah. in that old paternal approval yeah, listen, exactly it's a, listen we both know you're a cut above the rest of these mouth breather, breathers these guys right eat, these guys eat glue you're the tip of the spear and you're like i am the tip of the spear right <laughs> and imagine if you grow up in a time and you don't have internet and you can't research all this shit on your own you've never heard of smedley butler and then yeah your dad's some gi from world war ii yep and you're going now right. the Russians and the Nazis didn't even have a bombs with rockets. The Russians are now going to drop this. And then there's the whole like, you know, 
what are the odds that like the one time we build this country throughout all of the history of man and it's elected for the people by the people and it just so happens to be on this continent full of natural resources with an ocean on the left and an ocean on the right and not only that and also a mountain range on the left and a mountain range on the right an arctic tundra above us and a not really at the time but now just a cartel hellhole below us wow an impenetrable fortress that by the providence of God broke away from the strongest empire that world's ever seen. And it's this gem of all gems that has landed in a glove made of gems. Son, are you willing to defend this? I mean, at that point you're standing up with a, with a fucking sparkler behind you and you're like, I'm, I'm in. Right. And that sucks. It's because you, you know, and that's what a surprise evil demonic people will take advantage of the best among us. Right. Right. People who are yeah, like, yeah. you know, you're right. You know, why did McNamara was like the CEO of Ford or something? He left that job to go be Secretary of Defense. The guy that um led up, uh, I think our miss. There's a great book called uh, "The Atomic Bomb and the Missile Age." I, f- I can't remember who I interviewed him, but there was like another guy, which oddly enough was like another car CEO. I think like a Chrysler CEO. And he came and mm-hmm. oversaw like the procurement of missiles and had to streamline it, much like you'd streamline a, you know, uh. The creation of a car, I was like, hey, we need 10,000 of these. You had these guys that left these incredible jobs for, and they made like a thousandth of what they made, but it's to fight the Red Menace. Right. You're taking the best of the best. You're getting tapped for the Olympic team. But the guy, and the American public, yeah. right. And we all bought it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. And then think about that. Take it from there. And then here comes Kennedy, 1960. And people say, well, wasn't Kennedy a blue blood? He's like, no, he wasn't a blue blood. Kennedy, Kennedy he might have had a Harvard education, but first of all, they were Irish. Yeah, he was an Irish, Irish Catholic. He's like me. Irish Catholic. Catholic. He's, a, he's a white pasty. He should have been in the fields getting hit with a whip. But he had a jawbone <laughs> and a full head of hair. So they, and his dad made a billion dollars off of alcohol. Yeah, right. Bootlegger, right? So they look down on them. Even, but here's here's what I think happened, and and it was some of the people I talked to were uh, they 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 referred to this a little bit. But the Kennedys at that time, so you know, John and Bobby, they're both they're both fairly young, and they all of a sudden one's president, one's attorney general. Eh, there was some ego there too. So here's a guy, Kennedy, is like, I'm the president. I'm going to change things. I'm going to fire Alan Dulles because he lied to me about the Bay of Pigs. The sacred cow of Cold War and the Cold Warriors, Alan Dulles, he fires him. That was his first nail in his coffin. Well, there are probably a couple others but before that, but that was a huge nail in his coffin. And who winds up on the Warren Commission report? Alan Dulles, right? Like, come on, man. Like, again, be a critical thinker. Think through this a little bit. <laughs> you know? right? So Kennedy wanted to do all these things. That would take money and power away from these people who had all the money and all the power, whether it's be I want everyone out of Vietnam by 65. Well, no, because Bell Helicopter and General Dynamics and all the, you know, all the people we know and are have stock in are going to make billions of dollars on that war. So we're, we're absolutely going into Vietnam. Right. And then, of course, Johnson, Lyndon Johnson, do anything to be president. He's like, I'll get I'll take you to Vietnam. I'll get you in there. I'll stay in there too, and I'll had, keep bringing he had direct in. ties to helicopter companies. Yes, well, his it, it's all the Texas cronies, right? So you have the oil guys, and you have all those right, exactly. Oil I mean, Lyndon Johnson was probably the most corrupt politician we've ever had, and we've had corrupt politicians 
Lyndon Johnson was the worst. That was probably one of the most fascinating chapters that I have in the book, uh, interviewing uh, Nelson <laughs> and his book's amazing. But anyway, my point is that Kennedy was everything Kennedy, Kennedy had to know that his life was in danger. Although people say, no, he really didn't think. And I'm thinking, well, he didn't have I, I a top on the car. <laughs> Do you I think, think he did? I mean, uh, yeah, it, it seems like I've been to Dealey Plaza. I, I, went, I went recently for the first time after writing the book. And I have to tell you, it was one of the most profound experiences in my life. And I'm just like, man, it was a turkey shoot. This was just, he I had no he chance. I think he knew. Do you think? Do you think he knew he was going to really get it that day? I think maybe not that day. Maybe I not, don't know. Not that day. I think he knew. I, in my mind, there's a. And again, Kennedy is no schmuck. He's a World War II vet, right? He yeah. He's no, he's no pussy. Like this dude, like lost no. in, in like, a torpedo boat. Like this dude's a GI. Like we forget <laughs> it because he's tall and good looking and had like a thousand girls. This dude is no different than just your grizzled, you know, Saving Private yeah. Ryan. He was there. I think that he probably, I would say he is at, at the very least as intelligent as you and I are, if not more. He probably sees, the, he understands the abstraction, the paperclip. He probably gets, hey, it's it's not all black and white. There's some evil, there's some, but it's for the greater good. I think he probably understood it, you know, Bay of Pig. He knows he's also dealing with other egos, the Dulles brothers, Curtis LeMay, Angleton. Mm-hmm. But I think at a certain point, he he looked it in the eye and said, like, oh, OK, like this is we're beyond the abstraction. We're beyond the the judge argue or the the really good lawyer arguing to get someone off. And it's like, hold on. No, you're you're like you're defending like a child rapist. Like, I don't care how right. you are. Like, you're you're a demon lawyer. I think he knew. And this is all, again, who knows, maybe my own projection. It's very romantic. Camelot, right, dies and he's young and he's forever solidified. He, you know, he only the good die young. He's for his images for he's not an old guy. He's forever this young, stunning guy. I just. I don't know, I think that I think he knew. I think he was at the top of the mountain and he saw it and he saw the demons all around him. Mm-hmm. It was probably like. And the quietness of his own mind, I would imagine, was like, I'm going to do this. And he is right. It's a win-win. He either succeeds or they're going to be forced to act. And their actions will still show their hand in who they are. I did. I I don't think he he was that idyllic. He was just like, let's have world peace. I think he knew. Like, no. No. He and Bobby both knew what they were up against. You see it. You see it in their... You know, and even in their speeches, Kennedy's speech, American University speech, I highly recommend people listen mm-hmm. to that. He literally calls them out in that speech. Yeah. And, and of course, that was his last speech. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he literally calls these elitists out like it was unbelievable. And then he's, he's named the deep state. He's yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's named the deep state. I think there was a part of him. He very well knew the demons around him, but there was a probably, I think, in my opinion, there was a part of him that said, there's no way they have the gall to kill me. To kill me. Yeah. They might try to rig that. They might try to rig the next election. Yeah. But shoot me. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's how I, because it was like, I don't know. It was so like, you know, because the speeches he he was was giving, he had lost all facade of any sort of bullshit. 
Right. So you almost think if he actually believed that, I, yeah, I think he actually, I'm kind of changing my position. I think you're probably right. I think he was probably like, they're not going to kill me. They'll have to cheat. Because if he did, everything else he did was such a spit, spitting in the face of them. Why wouldn't he just add one more and go, yeah, they might kill me. If he believed that, he probably would have said it, right? Right. If anyone was going to say they're probably going to, it was probably him. After naming them for being demons, <laughs> why wouldn't he go one step further and say, oh, and by the way, they're going to kill me? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and here's the thing, too. The Cuban Missile Crisis scared the hell out of Kennedy. And it was yeah. then that he realized, and that's when he started to talk to Khrushchev uh-huh. behind the backs of his Joint Chiefs of Staff because yeah, they were channel. all crazy. Yeah, back channel because they wanted World War III. They didn't care if 10 million, 20 million people died. Operation Northwoods, here we go again. CIA, yeah. right? We put that, it's a false flag event. It caused we can drop nukes on Cuba. And well, they might drop a couple on us, but we have first strike advantage. So if we lose 10, 20 million people, who Acceptable. cares? Acceptable. Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. Acceptable yeah. losses. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. The elitists are going to be in their bunkers. So that's not going to affect them. Right. It's just a couple of cities, whatever. We'll win that. So Kennedy, you know, again, I think he was that scared him. And he realized I have to do something because this is he had children. Right. I mean, you know, he had a wife, he had kids and, and, and Bobby had a wife and kids. And he realized certain things. It was like, I have to do something here. And he tried. He did try. And I and talk about courage. And, and you know, people. It bothers me that people still focus on Kennedy's affairs, right? His womanizing, his indiscretions, you know, like, and, and I, what I say is, listen, name a president. There were probably a couple like Jimmy Carr. I, there were probably a couple who didn't have indiscretions, but that is not what we need to focus on with FDR, Kennedy. And I think they do that on purpose. FDR died in Warm Springs, Georgia with his mistress. <laughs> Eisenhower's right. secretary was going to go to the bunker but his wife didn't have clearance. I'm not, right. tr- I'm not trying to pull some, listen, men are men bullshit. But like, <laughs> no, it's, it's at the same know. time. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, they, yeah. there's human and shut his, up. Right. And history is so misogynistic. I mean, it isn't until yes. the last 20 years, maybe even 10, where it wasn't that attitude of like, you know, mad men, right. I'm going to have my martini at lunch sleep with my secretary then i'll go home to my wife and and it was all okay and the wives didn't just dealt with it and that happened by the way those cia guys same thing same thing have have you seen that meme where it's like man i wish women i wish men treated women like they did when my grandma was a young girl and then there's like a meme and it's like men men when dinner's five minutes late and it just shows like a WWE wrestler throwing someone through a table. It's like, <laughs> it's terrible. And it was so like, mono- misogynistic, man. Now, it was incredible. Give you guys a little inside baseball. We are now going for that, that woke crowd. We've moved from the conspiracy demographic <laughs> to now we are shifting the podcast to the woke white men are bad crowd. No, but really it's, <laughs> it doesn't wipe clean what they did, but it's also like, you're going to wait for the perfect person. Thomas Jefferson owned slaves, right? George Washington, George Washington. Well, I mean, who the Declaration of Independence in the course of human events, right? And it's like all men are made equal, and then that's like, okay. Well, are we going to just rip apart all of history and find the perfect person? There was like three of them, and they were all we were, killed. Uh, it's like Jesus, right. Gandhi, and I don't know someone. Right, <laughs> right. It, right. It, they it, all get. They all die very young, right? Yeah, yeah, and it. But, you know, listen, Jefferson was a wealthy Southern 
landowner, educated. In those days, they all had slaves. I'm not slavery. It's the worst, worst thing. I mean, that's something we're, again, talk about healing and we haven't healed from. That's another thing that's a problem for our country. But Jefferson, I mean, anyone at that time, he also happened to be, I think, one of the greatest Americans who ever lived. He just happened to be a Southern during that, you know, the late in the 1700s and early 1800s. He was also, and people don't want to hear this, but he would happen that he was very good to his slaves. They were still slaves. Right. And there's no excuse for that. But this is what these guys did back then. Right. So it's it's kind of you have to take history with all of it, the good and the bad and say, well, he did this. He owned slaves. OK, but, you know, like if he if we found out he was like really cruel person and cruel to his slaves, then it's like, oh, God, he yeah, was kind of. A, him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, he married. I mean, not married, but he I mean, definitely slept. He loved at least one of his slaves and had many, many kids with them. Half of Virginia this day is it's Jefferson <laughs> and, and they're and they're mixed race. Yeah. And it's like George Washington was like writing to his dad when he was 12, asking like when he was going to receive slaves of his own. Like it's not whitewashing it. I guess it's just more of like, oh, like what, what the hell do you think history has been? Right. What? It's all barbaric. And yeah. But so we just screw it all because they're they're evil. All right. It doesn't matter what you and I do today. Our kids and grandkids will look at something I, I've done on this podcast and look down on it. And if not them, their grandkids and their grandkids. And eventually something will have been threatening. The fact that like my head is tilted this way instead of that way will be the new <laughs> middle finger. And they'll be like, look at that guy. He's a left tilted head guy. And it's just like, if you went back in time to 2023, it'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, so it's, right. but to, to get back to Kennedy's indiscretions, like, yeah, yeah, it's, it, yes, I'm not even denying, not good. What he did to Jackie was terrible. You can read like Jackie's diaries and she's heartbroken. And then she goes and meets Onassis, who she would eventually be with. And Kennedy acted like a like a like a jealous jock boyfriend. He was like he was using the power of the presidency to like hunt her down and like harass them. She was on some yacht or the whoever the the Onassis guy who was some I don't know I forget where he made his money, but he was like a billionaire. He was like mm -hmm. harassing her all hours of the day. All she wanted to do was like feel loved. And it's like, yes, it sucks. Right. Right. Yeah, okay. that was a definitely it was a flaw on his personality without question. Of course, it was a, call yeah, he was what it is. It was a flaw. He was an asshole that cheated on <laughs> the mother of his children. No contest right. here. Yes. <laughs> right. But 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 he was also our last best hope for world peace. Yeah. And since then we haven't been close. I think you're right. I think the Cuban missile crisis showed them it's like it's like mm -hmm. what i always think about you know someone like someone's like if you disclose this secret we'll kill your family and if it's like an evil dictator or someone who's trying to like blow up the world and if you disclose it we're going to kill you and your family you have to realize that if they're willing to kill you and your family to like silence a grand conspiracy the grand conspiracy probably also includes the death of you and your family so it's like <laughs> it, it doesn't the arithmetic doesn't balance out like it's just it's happening now i think he probably looked at it like Oh, I mean, it is wild that we can listen to the recordings in when they're discussing the Cuban Missile Crisis. 
Like with that, talk about being a fly on the wall. You can go to mm-hmm. YouTube and listen to the recordings of him and Curtis LeMay. It is insane. You can listen to the phone call of him on uh, on the on the phone with Eisenhower, and he's addressing him as general. And you can hear them talk. And when he, when when Curtis LeMay goes, um, you're in a you're in a pretty bad fix, talking about thermonuclear warheads off the coast of Florida. You can see LeMay's own psychosis because he goes, you're in a pretty bad fix, Mr. President. And JFK goes, what did you say? And he goes, you're in a pretty bad fix. And he goes, you're there with me. Right. And I think not only did JFK see that these guys were willing to just bulldoze into Cuba, they didn't care <laughs> right. if we lost 50 million. They were like, acceptable losses. Right. Which who knows? Right. Let's let, let's maybe open our own hearts and go. Yeah. Curtis LeMay was also the head of the Air Force and led bomber squadrons over Tokyo. He probably looked at it as like anything goes. It's war. He's carry, probably carrying his own trauma there. I mean, I don't even know. If, is he a bad guy? And then we find out 40 years later that like they did have operational nukes on Cuba. And not only that, they had uh, permission from the Soviets for Cuban field officers to use them without even consulting with the Soviets. So it would have been World War Three. So not only did JFK see that these guys were bulldogs chomping at the bit to go to war with Cuba, and it's not even that they were delusional and thought there'd be no pushback. They were like 50 million dead. That's 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 a bargain. And he was like, so one, he goes, oh, they're willing to do it. Two, it's not that they're unaware that there's going to be U.S. deaths. They're, they know and they're okay with it. And you go, you go, right. oh, shit. And then three he's looking at Curtis LeMay and Curtis goes, you're in a bad fix. And he's looking at him and he's going, you're going to be there. And then he might have this moment of pure fear. And he goes, Oh, they're insane. Right. right? That's what right? I think. He's like, these guys are insane. That's like, that's like learning. That's like learning. Santa's not real. Number one. And then you go <laughs> and talk to your parents and they also know he's not real. And you go, Oh shit. And then you sit down with your dad and you realize that your dad actually thinks Santa's real. And then you go, oh, my, oh, my God. <laughs> so he saw all this and was like, then you have to start wondering, like, is this a test for me as a human? Like, am I is this all a simulation? I'm at the I'm at the head of the Oval Office and everyone around me wants to pit us in a world war. Like, is this a test of my own character? Yeah, I don't. All right. And he had character. Yeah. And that's one thing. He might have had some flaws, but he had courage. He had character. And uh, yeah, and he was willing to put it on the line, right, to to make sure 50 million people didn't die. And he, it was t- and he did, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he didn't he didn't give in. He didn't give in. He didn't even give in. And really, when you think about uh, the Bay of Pigs, because. They the wanted bars. they they were going to force Kennedy. They thought they'd force him to bring in the planes to help with air support. They, they framed it that way on purpose. And they framed it that way to make him look bad. And then then he fired Dulles and the other dude who was way up in the CIA. And the, again, these guys were just co- the the golden eggs, the golden gooses of of cold warriors. They you didn't touch these guys. No one touched these guys. And Kennedy fired them. And he was looking to get rid of uh, um, J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI. He, he was too old. He's like, he's been there too long. He has too much power. He wanted him gone. And he was right to think that. So Hoover was more than happy to help with the cover up. He made a lot of enemies. And these enemies were like, 
maybe say, well, I didn't know about, I didn't know about any conspiracy to kill him, but they certainly helped with the cover up. They had no problem helping with the cover up. Into it. Yeah, no, they, no. they might've not had anything to do with it. I'm willing to concede that, but they sure, <laughs> they sure certainly weren't staying after and burning the midnight. Oh, they're like, Oh, no. they might've even said, Oh, that's too bad that Jack died. Anyway, right. <laughs> anyway, right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, the- coffee's fresh. <laughs> coffee's coffee Listen, donuts man. in the break room. Yeah. Did you ever, <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're older than how old are you? Uh, I'm 57. Oh, okay. You look younger for your age. I'm 32. I don't know why I thought you were a couple years older than me. So this whole point's fucked, but whatever. In the 90s, there are these things that I'd watch on, on with my brothers on Nickelodeon. And it's where like you would get like three minutes in a Toys R Us with a shopping cart and you can go take as much as you want. And it was just these kids, and they'd run around, and they'd go get, like, $1,000 of toys. It was the greatest thing ever. I used to fantasize about this. <laughs> and you had three minutes, and, you you know, you always knew what you want. You go to get go to the Legos, go get the remote control car. You get the most expensive stuff. You almost think that, like, around Bay of Pigs, Kennedy realized, like, oh, there's a timer. They are, at best, not letting me back in office. At worst, blowing my brains out. <laughs> you got to think. So he's just like, you know what? Not only are we going to end the Cold War and help the Soviets go to the moon, J. Edgar, you're out of here. Dulles yeah. Brothers, you're out of here. He just kept looking right. up at the timer, like the shot clock. And he was like, I got a little more time. Uh, yeah, exactly. The very word right. supersede is repugnant. And he's just going out there. <laughs> right. He's just saying all. I mean, what was his like last bill was like, let's have silver backed currency. I mean, the last guy to try to end the bank, Andrew Jackson, they tried to kill him twice. You got to think at a certain point he was like, oh, the, the, the sun's setting. I'm just going for it all. I'm surprised he didn't come out and say, by the way, there's a UFO out in Nevada. Like it kind of <laughs> might like, as well have it. He might, he as, might as well have that it at might that have point been because speech for November 23rd, who knows? <laughs> But that's just it, man. I mean, that's what people need to realize. They need to realize that this was happening. And this yeah. is why the people who killed him killed him. Mm. And then the other part of that is you have to realize why Oswald didn't. And I think that's another. I learned more about Oswald doing this book than I did just about anything else. And and I was really surprised. I always did. I always thought at the very least he never acted alone. Sure. Uh, I, I knew that he was set up some way. Now I'm convinced, and I'll tell people this, and I'm comfortable telling people this, he didn't pick up a gun that day. He might have picked up the gun after when he went to his boarding house and he packed the gun because he knew that he was set up. He knew he called that his army intelligence handler, phone number memorized. That's a right. thing, right? Meet, meet me at the theater, goes to the theater, and then you know, 10 minutes later, there's 150 text Dallas police there. Didn't they have so the arrest warrant ready? They just found yeah, his name. Yeah, That's front page. Right. Exactly. Right. Mm. It's just too easy. But but, you know, when you realize and again, that's another travesty. That's a personal one. That's one that when you look at it, it's like, you know, he had two small daughters, a wife, obviously, Marina, Marina. two small daughters. And those daughters are still alive and they've had to live their whole lives with this, you know, just their name. Yeah. Yeah. Dark, this dark legacy, this terrible legacy of our father killed the president. And the fact of the matter is. I'm not 100% certain, but I'm 95% certain that Oswald, I don't, I honestly believe that Oswald was trying to stop it. And there are a lot of people that believe that. And there's a lot of evidence that suggests this. And, but we'll never get those documents that say Oswald, you know, well, yeah. he was a CIA operative. He was, he was part of the false 
defector program, yeah, right? That, that was yeah. a false defector program. I mean, that was all part of, he was a spy. He, it was about spy craft for Oswald. Oswald was an operative and he was a good one. Oswald was smart. He spoke fluent Russian. All Oswald did his whole life was read books. Mm-hmm. And he was a smart dude. And he was also a caring dude. I mean, people don't realize this about him. And I, and that's one thing I hope that comes across in the book with some of the people I interviewed is that they get to know Oswald a little bit more as a human being and not just as a either a patsy or a lone gunman, but as a human being who was ultimately manipulated and and just and never got his day in court. Never, you know, and that's a travesty. And that's one of the many ripple effects, right? We talk about, well, what does it mean to the country? Sure. What does it mean to Oswald and Oswald's family, right? What does it mean to the other people who were mysteriously killed and the other and anyone else who was affected? Jackie, I mean, just the whole Kennedy family. So it's, uh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, listen, I, it's so much fun because you, you could, this is one of those topics you can talk about forever. Yeah. And when you get two people really digging in, and talking some cool stuff about it. It's just, there's so much to discuss. And I know that there's people out there, they're going to be like, well, I, I still believe Oswald did it alone and the Warren Commission was correct. Well, you know what? Great. I'm glad you think that. Please do more research. I beg those people. I plead with those people. Do more research. Do your due diligence. Be a critical thinker. Because if you are, you will realize very quickly that it was a conspiracy. Yeah. That's all I can say. I mean, that's why I wrote the book, man. That's why I did it. There's there's a quote about, I think, 9-11. And it's like, do you believe in a 9-11 conspiracy? And it's no. And it's like, no, you have to. It was either a conspiracy between 19 hijackers or between the intelligence. It, It was a conspiracy. Period. Right. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Right. When you put it that way. Yeah. It was. A, yeah. So <laughs> I'm 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 I don't think I guess I think the farthest I'm willing to go is say that Oswald did not act alone. I don't know if he picked up a gun or again, that's something obviously they did like the nitrogen test or whatever. And there's no gun. So that's kind of a smoking gun. No pun intended that he didn't do it at the very least. I don't think it was only him. I think he could have very well simply been a patsy. I think he, I'm, I'm also willing to go as far as I guess I have, I have like percentage answers. I would say I'm, I'm willing to believe right. that he didn't even touch a gun. Like I'm, I'm willing to like, I'll, I can entertain that idea. Um, I think I'm very certain that he didn't act alone. I think there are probably multiple gun teams. Right. Certainly compartmentalized, 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 compartmentalizations inside compartmentalizations. <laughs> right. Um, at the bar none, the fact that Jack Ruby just killed him. I mean, right. that's you don't need any documents. You don't need to look at it at all. You just go, oh, they're, they're shutting <laughs> right. up. You could be you could have been born, put into a stasis and awoken up at age 32. And don't even know what that flag stands for. You don't even know what a flag is. And just, you know, given a rudimentary understanding of how human life works and then shown this and you go, ah, was that a mob hit? Did they, who'd they, (laughs) did they take somebody out? Was he about to, he was about to, you know, testify the mob boss. Well, no, the U S president. Oh, so he probably, if there was just no bias, you'd go, ah, he killed the, he killed the guy. (laughs) 
hey, Mr. Kerrigan, why, you know, just pulled over. What would you put in your glove compartment? Nothing. <laughs> Is it alcohol? <laughs> Is it a gun? Is this not your car? I didn't do anything. You know, <laughs> dad comes from, hey, how you doing? I didn't take your beer. Did you take my beer? I was just asking how you, right? So at the very least, it's that. I don't, before, before you wrap this up, and I know I've kept you 30 minutes longer than I said I would because I can't be trusted. But now that we've kind of got out of the way, all the, you know, it definitely, I think we both in agreement. It wasn't just Oswald going, hey, screw this guy. And there's compartmentalizations within compartmentalizations. And there are a lot of people that didn't know, probably just involved in the cover-up. They probably don't want to know because they probably like their wife and kids. All that being said, who do you think actually called for it? How many people do you think actually? I think I think it was LeMay and the Dulles brothers. I think it was probably like three people, maybe Angleton. I think like, yeah, maybe three or four people. I think they sat down. And yeah, they learned from the Nazis who they were friends with. They went, hey, don't put this shit in a memo. So many of the Nazis were caught like burning papers. They're like, hey, I'm talking to my buddy Klaus over here. Klaus is like, don't write it down. Just just do it. Just kill it. Like they were like, don't put in a memo. It's spoken word only. Right. They, I, the smartest guy I've ever met is a, is a guy that's friends with in high school and college. He's a doctor now. He's a genius. And I remember he was like, I want to get to the bottom of JFK. And I was like, I feel like if anyone could, it was you. And he read like 90 <laughs> books in like a semester while prepping for the MCAT because he's just that guy. Oh, my God. Wow. He's just that guy. Yeah. He studied for the MCAT for three weeks and scored higher than I did. I studied for nine months. Fuck that guy. Beautiful. Wife. <laughs> just fuck that guy, right. But um, I remember he finally came back to me and he goes, we'll never find a smoking gun. Whatever was, and I, th- I think his exact quote was, we were like smoking pot one day, and he was like, I don't even want a name, because he's like, I don't know who they would be. But I think someone met with someone else on like a snowy field at 6 a.m. and just said like, it's a go. He's like, we're never going to find a piece of paper. And right. so with that, acknowledging we're never going to find it, and we are just in the realm of pure speculation now. My thesis is is. Angleton, Dulles Brothers, LeMay, those four. And it was just rings of plausible deniability. That's who I think. I'm curious. What's what's your what's your if yeah. you gotta if you gotta take the if you gotta take the the yeah. fifty foot three right. point shot at the buzzer, what's your Yeah. I avoid that in the book yeah. for obvious reasons, yeah. but like I yeah, I do like to talk about it. So yeah, I think you're I tend to think that's very close. I think it's it's you have Dulles, you have LeMay. I think you might have a guy like a Clint Murchison, someone in the Texas oil, one of those big shots. Uh, And I think, but someone, and this is where someone said to me, okay, but who did they answer to? And I'm like, what do you mean? They were very powerful people. He goes, yeah, but who did they answer to? And this is a guy, he's in the book. He does a tour in New Orleans, an Oswald tour. And he knew the mob. There's a lot that happened in New Orleans and there's a lot of clues there. And he said, think about it. Who, who would they have answered to? And I said, well, I don't know. I, I just, I was hemming and hawing. He goes, Rockefeller. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. And he's like, think about it. Read about it. Do your own research. Who did Alan Dulles, Curtis LeMay, John Foster Dulles, who did they all 
answer to. Because they were put in those positions. There was someone who was pulling those strings. And and when and he goes back to the elite of the elite, American families that go way back and literally have all the power in the world. Yeah. They probably have- so I would say you are correct that and that maybe someone like a Rockefeller gave a nod, right? Maybe yeah. he didn't even say anything. Maybe he just gave a nod. It didn't say no. <laughs> right. And then they knew in in that snowy field in the middle of nowhere, this guy's got to go. It's on. And they knew how to do it because they were practicing that to do for Castro. So the CIA already had yeah. the modus operandi down. They oh, knew yeah. how to do something like this. They were really good at it. They were and they pros. were going to hire. Yeah, they were going to hire Corsican mobsters and U.S. mobsters. They were going to hire the hitmen. Gun teams. Yeah. Right. Plausible deniability. No no. one's ever going to know anything. And then, by the way, Johnson's going to put me, Alan Dulles, on the Warren Commission. There's and we and we control the paper, so don't worry about it. And they did it. They did it, and they forever changed this country for the worse. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And that's like one of the just the sexiest parts of conspiracies is like there's always just one level higher, and that's like (laughs) they answer to. And you're correct. It's like the Dulles brothers, Lemay, Angleton, maybe Hoover. Yeah, they were like the top dogs, but they're like the top dogs of what we know. They were the coach, but it's like who's the team owner? Right. Who's behind this? Who's pulling the strings behind the scenes? I I tend to go back to the business plot. I think it was 1933 when they tried to get Smedley. That's only 30 years. I'm 32. 30 years is not a long time. 30 years ago, we were what? Going in, uh, going in Iraq, Desert Storm. It's not a long time. They had tried to do it with Smedley. Right. The problem was, is they went to a hero. And they, right. I think they put it in a memo. And then and he you know, smoked them out. He smoked them out. Yeah. And then the Nazis <laughs> right. came back and they were like, don't fucking write this shit down, you idiots. Don't write it down. It's just a, I think it's probably the people who did, who wanted to do it with Smedley. And they did it 30 years later. These guys don't, yeah. you don't get to that position by, you know, being spineless and backing down. No, these guys are. It, it, yeah, they double down. They triple down. Yeah. They don't work. Wait thirty years. Maneuver. Wait for the landscape it, to change. It's a far right fascist mentality. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean t- today we. It's Republican Democrat. I tell people that has nothing to do with it. Party politics has nothing to do with what happened, Kennedy. This was a far right fascist conspiracy with extremely powerful people and they could do it they could do it and get away with it which so 60 years later there might be 57 percent of americans who don't believe that oswald acted alone and believe or believe there was a conspiracy but no one's ever been brought no one's ever been convicted no no one's ever paid for it and as a country man i'm telling you there's a dark cloud over this country that's been hanging over it since 1963. Yeah, I think that's when they I think there had been false flags before it. I think we got a glimpse of them. I think that's when they took the bite of the apple and they got it. And maybe I think, you know, 2000, like hanging chats, Florida election. I think that was them maintaining it. I think 01 was solidifying it. 
and I think we're just seeing the ripples and repercussions of of a it is a fascist dictatorship hiding behind the flag and the cross with a multi-trillion dollar defense machine and right. every action we see now is that 08 financial crisis that the fucking right the, I, I don't think Trump or Obama ever had a I don't even throw them under the bus I used to but I've like I've I've, I've ascended the idea of like this dichotomy I'm like yeah Trump's a brash billionaire asshole I think he's probably just a dude I think Obama's just a dude I think they both went in there with their ideas you know, right and like, that they got yeah. they were as helpless as you and i they got in there and they're like uh, i'm gonna I'm, as bill hicks says you win the election you do your inauguration the ticker tape parade and then they bring you to a dark room the 12 industrialist assholes that got you in there and they show you an angle of uh kennedy's assassination that is not yeah. the Bruder film. it's it looks strangely <laughs> like it's from the grassy knoll and then the projector rolls back up the lights come on and they take a puff of their cigar and they go any questions and you go What's my agenda? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was my, yeah, what was my campaign policies? I can't remember them all. Of a was sudden. it hope and change? Was it make America great again? <laughs> yeah, yeah no. listen, we're going uh, I'll back say, to Iraq. I'll say this one last thing because this is huge. And I've been telling right. everyone this because I saw this and I, I hope you did. And if not, try to find it. Obama wins. George Bush, G George W is sitting president. So that, you know, they have that transition meeting. Yeah. So the, the, the kind of meeting you just mentioned, OK, they go behind closed doors. Who knows who's behind there? I saw this. I, I was they say, oh, they're in the transition meeting. Obama goes in full of vigor and, you know, oh, this young dude comes out. I'm with telling hair. you, he <laughs> came out shaken hell and no kidding. He had more gray hair than when he went in. I don't know what they did to this guy or what they showed him, but he was terrified. And shaken to the core. I remember telling my wife, I'm like, what just happened to him? They probably showed well, you a picture. They showed him the Kennedy. <laughs> or that. Or they show you a picture of your kids with crosshairs on them. Right. Yep. And then to extend, I guess, humanity to an Obama or a Trump or a Biden. You and I can sit here on a podcast and be very free to talk about this because they don't care enough to kill us. Right. What a, what a, what happens is toe to toe right now. Someone comes in here with a picture of my parents with a crosshair on them, and they say, "Delete the episode." How quickly am I going? Yeah, I don't even know who's who's Roth. Never heard of them. <laughs> right? We like to think that we're these heroes. Yeah, I mean it's I mean, scary, it's, and even if you don't care about your life, I mean we all have family, right? I have a uh, son, someone, I have a wife. I mean, you know, someone you care about. Then you and, go. You go. Yeah, fuck whatever. And they go, we've done right. this to every president before Yale. And you go, this is evil, but I mean, what do, what do I care? They probably yeah, I'll play the you. game. They, they, they go, grow old. You're going to get a yeah, speaking. Go give a couple speeches after you retire. Yep. We'll launder you a couple hundred million. Yep. Get your yep. match. You'll... And you probably just go, yeah. What am I? Yeah, show up at events, certain events. Yeah. Because it's not Let even like. Yeah, it's not yeah. even like you have an option of like do this or you can go or I'll get killed and I'll change everything. No, no, no. By the way, if you get killed, nothing will happen, but you're also right. just going to get killed. Right. Which is, I think, what Kennedy was wrong about. I think Kennedy thought, well, if they kill me, everyone remember, because I do believe he thought that if they kill me, everyone will know. I think but it comes they... back. I think it comes back to this <laughs> is did he I'm not, I'm not even trying to be funny. Did he drop acid? Did he have a mind? I did psychedelics not long after my brother died, and it changed my life 
irreversibly. Did he have some experience that was like this, this world is just a phase of you're an old soul and you've lived a million lives and you'll live. And if you've ever done ass, I mean, you come out of it and you go, Oh, this, I'm just on this realm for a little while. He might've come out of there and gone, dude. Okay. Like I'm, I'm, listen, I know Jesus knowing he's being betrayed. Like, listen, I know you're just saying, listen, there's a chapter in the book. I know Janney. Right. All right. Mary's mosaic. Yes. I try and bring it up. Yeah. Mary, Mary Pinchot Meyer. There's a good chance if it wasn't LSD, it was that psilocybin. psilocybin. Yeah. I'm, I'm and that it changed. Theory. Yeah. And it changed his perception. And Mary kind of helped him to, to, to see things a little differently and really fight for world peace to the point where he's like, it doesn't matter anymore. I have to do this. That's where I'm going from is like, just like we're never going to find a memo. But even if you don't find a memo, you can still kind of see where all the signs are pointing. At a certain point, you got to go, this guy's not stupid. I don't think I would argue that we maybe can't even say that he didn't think he was going to be killed because he's getting reports from the CIA about all these world leaders were killing and it's plausibly denied. He's seeing the machinery, right? He's seeing the equivalent of the Zapruder film. What, What would make you not do that? A psychedelic, otherworldly experience where you you understand that you're getting old, you're gonna die one day or another, and not only that, I mean, talk about a bad acid trip. Going, oh my god, there's gonna be thermonuclear Armageddon, and I can maybe stop it. To me, that's right. like the Deus Ex Machina. That is the psychedelic explanation. I don't know what else could do it. These psychedelics can, as the comedian Duncan Trussell said. Acid so strong it can turn the preppy captain of the cheerleader squad to an emo overnight. Like, like <laughs> we don't know that it might have done. Like, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I, that's a great take because I honestly believe he did do it. Yeah, and I think it did change him. I really believe that. Yeah, it's uh, so it's, it's. I mean, it's like money laundering or embezzlement. Like when you realize like the books are cooked. And then it's like, oh, and they're like selling chrome Lamborghinis. You're like, that's you're like, I don't have the paper trail, but like that's that's the money laundering. And nothing else really makes because he's not a stupid guy. He is privy to this. They come to him with Operation Northwoods like a year prior, and he's like, No, what? No. <laughs> right. What else could explain? Like he knew they were gonna whack him. And I think he probably did just had an experience and was like, like, this is my destiny. Who knows? And was like, yeah, whatever. Which is just kind of hardcore. If he knew he was going into it. Didn't know when. It was just like, do it. And it kind of worked because it's been 60 years and we're still talking about it. They can't quite snuff out all the flames. They can't. Nope. So. And yet. Yep. Good stuff. I've I've kept you 37 (laughs) minutes longer than I said I would again because I cannot be trusted. I work for the CIA. But um. (laughs) Mr. Roth, thank you so much for coming on here, man. I'd love to have you on again sometime. I know I told you beforehand I wouldn't swear, but obviously I get I get excited. We start talking about Kennedy and aliens and psychedelics, and you know the 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 governor just comes off and I, it goes off the rails. So I apologize for that. But uh, I had a couple myself. So yeah, it all just like Kennedy and his indiscretions. Sorry, <laughs> we're human. We're talking about the president getting shot in the head. Yeah, it Don't was get he, mad. It was real. Shot. 
Yeah, don't get mad that yeah. we dropped an F-bomb. Right? <laughs> right. right. Just shut up. Just shut up. You, you, <laughs> you said bullshit halfway through. We're talking about Kennedy's head <laughs> getting blown apart in the street in Dallas because he dared to tell the truth. But you said ass. <laughs> you know what? Go back to bed. You're right. It was Lee Harvey. He acted alone. Santa's coming on the 25th. Be good. Like, whatever. But this is what, you know, every once in a while, my questions it just answer themselves. Why am I banned from YouTube? And I just kind of like <laughs> listen to myself talk. I'm like, I'm like, that's why. That's why. All right. Well, <laughs> Mr. Roth, thank you so much, man. Guys, I'll put the link of the book in the description. Um, and if you could just in our email thread, just um, anything else you want, like social media, websites, anything, just copy paste it and I'll put it right in the description. Great. Perfect. Right. Thank you so That's much. fun, man. This yeah, was great. This was a blast. I, I think we should do it again. We'll try to get even more unhinged. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. I had a blast. These awesome. Are my favorite episodes. Yeah. Kennedy, UFO, awesome. psychedelics, Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Curtis LeMay. We checked all the boxes. Checked all the just places. about. Just about. We, we checked them all. We we didn't bring up the moon landing. I mean, that, that's a really about as... That's, yeah. But we, I think it that's it, though. 10. 9 yeah. out of 10. I'll, I'll mail you your report. <laughs> 9 out of 10. We hit it all. We didn't go near Area 51, so I'll give you an 8 out of 10. But it's pretty good. Pretty we'll do UFOs next time. We could talk about the documentaries. That's all about that. So that's a cool conversation, too. Well, there it is. That's our next one. <laughs> all right, brother. Thank you so much. I'll send you an email. We will schedule one. I'll, I'll email you right now just so I don't forget. We'll schedule another one. Please, um, if you could, like right now, just in the email, whatever links you want in there, I'll copy, paste it, put it right in the description. Otherwise, it's going to go one year at the other. Yeah. Um, I'll do that. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much, guys. Go grab the book. It's a great read. Um, get it on Kindle. I don't think it's on Audible. Is it on Audible? I think it's on Kindle. Is it just it's Kindle, not audio yet. You should get it on audio. Audio is good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a good read. That's clearly it spawned this conversation. You might be listening to this conversation and saying, I want nothing to do with that. In which case, don't. I don't know. Go watch the Teletubbies. But if you want to have your brain melted, go read the book. Mr. Roth, thank you so much, sir. Everybody, God bless. Thank you so much for watching. Take care, dude. Thanks for being on here.